You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, the place where hope and reality converge. Fulfilled. There's 
more to it. When you set the table, it creates more and it causes more of an experience. Good things happen when we come to the table. Something good happens when we set the table. Psalm 23, 5 says this. He sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He gives me a table and it's for the victors. The victors get to sit at this table. He's prepared a table. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 9, 11, that the lame and disabled Mephibosheth, if you, if you know that story, Mephibosheth, who was the grandson of Saul, who was, who was left going and who was in hiding. The Bible says in, in 2 Samuel 9, 11, that Mephibosheth ate at the king's table like one of the king's sons. He was restored at the king's table. He was forgotten grandson of Saul, but he was brought into the king's table and he was restored. Good things happened at the table. The Bible says in Revelation 19, 9, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb, to the table of the Lord, that good things happen there in eternity. We will be reunited with Jesus Christ and with God the Father. Good things happen at the table. Set the table this morning so that good things might occur in our lives. How many want to look forward to something great that's happening in our lives? We've got to set the table for those things to occur. Something happens when you set the table and be prepared. Don't just eat. Be satisfied. Don't just get full. Be fulfilled. Don't just get healed. Be made whole. Notice there's two descriptions in these individuals. There are ten lepers. Ten lepers with the same condition, living at the same border from the same village, having the same cry, hearing the same word, but one has a different outcome than the others. All ten of them hear these, not hear the words, but all ten of them experience a word that is healing. Along the way, they were cleansed or made, made, made the, they were healed. And that word in the Greek means to be in process of. There was a healing, but then the one came back to give thanks. And the Bible says that Jesus told him the first time, said to ten of them, go show yourself to the priest. But then at the end, he says to one, go, your faith has made you whole. Now your translation might say healed or cleansed or, or well, whatever it might be. But when we look at the Greek, it gives a distinction that the man who was healed, they recognized that they were all healed. That word in the Greek means in process of. Now I want to tell you why that's significant. Because Jesus already purchased your healing. On the cross, he already purchased your healing. It is past tense. By his stripes, we are healed. It is past tense. We have already received. But how many would agree, even though the healing has been paid for, it is still in process of being manifested. How many are following me this morning? There's some of you today. The Lord has healed you. But there is a process of that healing being made complete. God has called us in a process. But this man comes back, and he doesn't just hear that you're healed. This time he hears the words, you are made whole. I want to encourage us today that we can many times become settled as people who just look for healing but never allow God to bring us into wholeness. We experience healing but never walk into wholeness. Here's what I want to say. You can write this down this morning. One is healed of our past. The other is sealed for our future. Healing is to be healed from our past. To be made whole is to be sealed for our future. When I have to come to God to be healed, it's because I'm affected by something that has occurred in my past. Every single one of us in this room have a past that has affected our lives. There's something in our past that has occurred. There's something in the past. We need healing today. 
many of us are made real or, or we recognize we need healing, not because we know that we're a sinner firsthand, it's because we feel we feel the effects of sin that are coming on us. I, I know that I need God, I need healing, because I'm affected by something that has occurred in my past. I didn't come out of the womb knowing I needed a Savior. I felt the pain of life. I faced realities of life that let me know I needed a Savior. And what brought me to God was my hope for the future was because I was affected by the pain the pain of my past brought me to a place where I could anticipate and believe and look forward to a hope of the future. But unfortunately, sometimes we end up living on the border of healing and wholeness, but never get across the border to walk into wholeness, which I have. We end up living on the border. Notice the ten, the ten uh, lepers. The Bible says that Jesus found them living on the border. What's the border? The border is somewhere in the middle. That you're one, you can go one way or another. You have your good days, you have bad days. You have moments where you're living one way or another, where you're walking, and sometimes you want healing. And healing is connected because of what has happened in our past. But it's not just enough that God wants to heal us from the pain of our past. He wants to set us free from the past, that we might walk into the hope of our future. That it's one thing when God heals us of our past. How many are thankful that God has healed you of your past? He heals the pain. He heals the emotion. He's able to bring restoration. But there's a difference between healing of your past and being let go or set free from your past. That you might walk in wholeness and in victory that God has for us. That we can allow his healing. And here's what I think happens in the Christian believer's life too often. We climb the ladder of faith and believing God to bring us to wholeness. But it feels like as we climb, the rung comes out and we see the slide. And we feel like we've got to climb back up. We want to get whole, we want to get whole. But then something happens and we get set back. I wonder if there's anybody who would be willing to acknowledge and say, in your faith with Jesus Christ, in your walk with Jesus, you have had setbacks in your life. Every single one of us. Every single one of us have had have progress, or I believe. Have you ever had times where you believe that God has delivered you, set you free, made you whole, and brought you out of something? And then all of a sudden, as you're going along, you face something else that seems to just push you back. You ever been there? God, I overcome, I overcome, I'm victorious, I'm victorious. And we go on, we go on, and then all of a sudden, we hit a moment. And when we experience that, we're now at another border. We're at a border that can go one way or another. You're at a border that you can, you, can, you can move forward in victory, or it can be a setback. I'm not here today to say shame on us for having setbacks, because I'm so thankful. This is what the Lord showed me this morning as I was praying. And the Lord, this is for, for someone here this morning. He is pouring out an abundance of grace upon lives today. That his grace is being poured out. That he is a God of restoration. Man, he is a God of restoration. He's a God that loves us more than we ever know what love is. His grace is abundant in our life. I'm not here to say shame on us for having setbacks. I'm here today to say, God, give us a perspective that we might not see the setback, but we might experience overcoming to get on the other side of the border. When you move forward across the border, it's about going to a place where you've never been before. When you're in the in-between, you're asking yourself, am I going to revert to where I've been, or am I going to go to where I've never been? When I'm on the border, am I going to revert to where I've been? Am I going to allow this experience to affect my emotion? You see, the lepers were these ones who had a condition. Their condition was a skin disease. 
And the skin disease would start as an infection. It would look all red, and it would, it would make its way about, and they would have to go show themselves to the priest. You can read it in Leviticus chapter 13. And they would go to the priest, and the priest would have to examine them. And the priest would look for certain signs. Because if it was just an infection, it would go away. It's not contagious. But if it created white scales and became more deeper, it was a condition that was on the skin that would become so effective and so contagious to other people that you couldn't be around anyone. So you have to stay isolated until the priest gives you the green light that you're okay to go back. But until then, stay away. Now listen, we recognize it's a physical condition. It, it ended up affecting the nerves that you would lose limbs because of leprosy and you would lose body parts. And the reason you lost body parts is because the feeling would go away so much and the scale and the infection would take over that in most cases rodents would nibble off your nose, your ears, your feet, your, feet, your toes, your arms, whatever. How about that for Thanksgiving? <laughs> it's a physical condition, but you look at it as a physical condition. When you hear leprosy, you think of the pain. Yes, they had pain. Yes, it was physical pain. But I want you to think about deeper than that. How must it have felt to be a leper? And everywhere you go, you have to announce unclean, unclean, unclean. You think that might have something to do with your insecurities? You think that might create something in you? And everywhere you go, you have to tell everybody you're unclean? Do you think it might be something that would affect relationships when you're isolated and everybody else is able to engage and be a part, but you're left on the outside because you're struggling because of a, an issue or condition that you're facing? Imagine what it did. It didn't just cause physical pain. It caused an emotional bondage. It caused them to no longer be able to carry out their livelihood. There was a purpose that was lost. Their life was on standstill. There was a setback. Every single one of us in some emotional or relational or some area had hit a setback in life. And it comes to the border. And we're living on the border, stuck between where we've never been or going back to where we've been before. You know what it's like, some of us, to be in depression. And the enemy wants you to live on the border to say, I want you to go back where you've been. You've even been in places. I've had victory. God has given me a victory. He's brought me through. He's brought me through. But then the enemy beats you at another border and says, oh, yeah. Life comes along, circumstance, situation, and says, I thought you were delivered. I thought you were whole. I thought things were happening in your life. Yes, I am healed and I am whole because I'm whole because God has set me free from my past. And now I can look forward. So I know I might not feel whole. But I'm walking across this border because his word says I'm whole. Notice when did the lepers leave and begin to go to the priest? The Bible says Jesus saw them. He heard their cry. He said, go show yourself to the priest. Notice the Bible says along the way. As they went along, what happened? The leprosy began to disappear. The leprosy disappeared as they began to move. Here's the question. Are we willing that when the enemy comes along and says you've got emotional bondage, you've got restraint, you're living on the border, you thought you were delivered, but you're stuck. The enemy wants to bring you back to your past, but you've got to say no. The word of God says go show yourself to the priest. Go to the place. It's not falling off yet, but the closer I get, it's going to be gone because as I move in faith, he sets me free. Does that make sense to anybody this morning? Don't wait for the feelings. Don't wait for that moment to happen. I've got to step up because the enemy wants me to live on the border. I want to declare today, the family of faith is no longer live on the border. Amen. 
We might cross the border. Oh, because he's taken us to greater places. We will cross the border. We will go across the Jordan. We will go across boundaries. We will set border. We will go in places. But we will not live on the border of what might be and missing out. We will walk across those moments and those places. When the enemy comes and rears his head, we say, Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against me will prosper. He said to go show myself to the priest. It doesn't look like it yet. I don't feel like it. But I'm moving in forward motion because I'm not living on the border of one way or another. Somebody needs to be set free this morning because you've been living your whole life. You've been living on the border of potential. You've been living on the border of what might be. You've been living on the border of could be, might be, should be, and living on the border. And the other thing you said, I've had victory. But then he's come along and said, I thought you had victory. Here's his head. And then keep on pressing. God help us not to live on the border. Help us to press through. Help us to press into that place what it is. Here's the difference. These ten people, ten individuals, they needed something different. They were all healed, but only one was made whole. I want to give you today, it's not going to overwhelm you. It's going to be so simple. But I want you to write it down. And by the end of these next 15, 20 minutes, to ask God to help us put it into practice. And that is this, the difference between healing and wholeness is gratitude. The difference between healing and wholeness is gratitude. Gratitude is like setting the table for something good to happen. When you have gratitude and you carry gratitude in your life, you're setting a table. You're preparing for something good. But when you don't have gratitude, let me just tell you real quickly what gratitude is. Gratitude is an expression or a readiness to express thanks. It's a readiness to express thanks. When you have gratitude, and I love that definition. The definition says it's a readiness to express thanks. Let me tell you why that's important. It's important because you're ready to give thanks even before the circumstance for which you're thanking him occurred. Follow that? I am ready to give thanks. The purpose or the, the outcome of which I want to be thankful has not yet occurred, but I am ready. I am in an attitude where I'm carrying gratitude in my heart. It's inside me. Now listen, every single one of us are born with the ability to show gratitude. The question is, are we willing or have we yet unlocked it or allowed it to be open in our life? We've said you either have it or you don't. No, you, every one of us have the opportunity to have gratitude. Every single one of us have the opportunity to have gratitude. It's just some of us have not unlocked it. Some of us have, have held on and, and suppressed or held on to, to holding back and not having a spirit or an approach of attitude or an approach of gratitude in our life. It's all how we approach things. It sets the table. It's a readiness. There's a difference between having a readiness to give thanks and a readiness to get things. We're a culture that's good at being ready to get things. We're a culture that's ready to get things. We're ready to get things. But gratitude is a readiness to give thanks. It doesn't mean you won't give and get things. It just means there's an approach and a willingness to give thanks. When you give thanks, it sets the table. I can just tell you this way. It was some time ago, Jaylen, I don't even remember the whole, the whole scenario, but she was over at a friend's house, and while she's at a friend's house, she's asking, saying, Dad, they're gonna, I'm going to be home at this time, and then the family's doing this. So she calls back and says, Dad, I'm going to be later. It's a Friday night, and so she can hang out with, with friends and their family. It's all good. But it started reaching that point where I had it all planned out in my head. The Pirates game was going to be over by this time. I would be in bed by this time. 
It had now moved into the point where I was praying to be a dad. And Jalen says, Dad, we're going to do this. Can you come get me at this time? Yeah. And I remember thinking, you know, because Jody and I are, we, we, we have much the same. And our opposites are she is a morning person and I am night owl. So uh, she wakes up at 5 o'clock. I wake up at 6.30 on good days. Okay, so uh, uh, if I said at 6.45, I'm rolling out of bed because I've got to. So we're just different with that. So at nighttime, she's in bed. And so it's, it's me and Jalen says, we're just hanging out and, and can you come get me later? I said, yes. And I kept, my, I kept it all good. And she, she called me and said, okay, we're, we're done. We're, we're ready now. You can come, come get me. And so I go over to, to the friend's house or the family she's with. And I pick her up. And we're coming home. And we don't live that far away. They're in the neighborhood. Not really a big deal. But I am thinking, man, I'm you know, tired. All right, babe, I'm going to bed. All of a sudden, I go to bed. And it's not really any issue that I have. But everything just changed as about five minutes in, laying in bed, getting ready to fall asleep, and my phone dings. And here's Jalen from the bedroom downstairs saying, hey, I forgot to tell you thanks for waiting up for me when you let me know. You know what this dad said? <laughs> it wasn't a big deal to start with, but her gratitude opened the door. It wasn't a big deal. To I would do it anyway, but that gratitude opened up a bigger door. That gratitude, that expression, when we express a gratitude and a thanks, when we become people who are conditioned to give thanks, to give gratitude. Gratitude is what is inside us and a willingness to give, a willingness to set the stage of what is good and setting an order. We are good at talking about what's wrong. But if it's in us, we can declare that no matter what they're doing over there, no matter what's coming our way, no matter what policies need to be set in place, I know that my God is able, my God is prevailing, my God is not limited to a policy. It doesn't matter if they let refugees come in, because I know who my deliverer is. I don't want certain things to happen, but my faith isn't some policy that's being made in a building. My faith is in the one who gave his life for me, who said no weapon going against your prosper. My faith is in the one who will hold me and keep me. people? Well, I would tell them thanks, but I don't want them to get a big head. 
one question to the ministry of humility. I know it's somewhere in the Bible. It's your job to keep us humble, right? Sure. <laughs> I carry the gift of humility. I have said those words. I've said those words in my life. I remember being a young youth pastor saying, you know, we had this one kid in our youth group, and, and uh, he just great spirit, and he do things, but man, he just, he had that little bit of pride in there. And I remember saying, I said, man, I'd love to compliment him, but I don't want him to get to his head. And uh, I remember saying, and I justified it. Until one day, the Holy Spirit began to just ask me, so when did I make it your job to keep people humble? I never told you to withhold. I've only told you to give. When I become the withholder, I'm the one who's in control. But when I become the giver, I'm the one who's under control. When I withhold, I withhold for the purpose of trying to take control. But when I give, I am now giving and I'm under the one who has control over me. Well, you know what they'll do if you give them that money? Oh. Use wisdom. I understand. Wisdom. Then there's a danger where we try to take control and we try to create the outcome. And the reality is, I submit to know that, hey, I'm not the one. This is bigger than me. It's not my job to keep you in a place. That's called control. I want you to evaluate right now who are some people that you're withholding gratitude and what you're doing is trying to control their lives. You're trying to manipulate, you're trying to take control of circumstances and situations because you're withholding gratitude, and withholding gratitude has really become a point for you to take control rather than to come under control. I know I just hit a nerve right there. I know I'm not supposed to actually hit it. The Holy Spirit just hit a nerve right there. Because we'll never go from where we've always been until we can cross the border go across any border, there are certain things you can't take from that side to this side. There are certain things they won't allow to go from this country to that country. If you're going to walk across into wholeness in God, there are certain things you've got to leave on this side of the border. There are certain things we've got to let go of, and some of that might be the control and the ability to give gratitude. Can I tell you what that does? When you begin to give gratitude, it releases something releases and allows there to be a peace of God and a presence of God. I know there's something in our lives that would want to hold us back. The enemy wants to do whatever he can to throw those things back up and keep us where we've always been. You ever had those places where you thought, man, we've overcome this, we've overcome it, and then it just seems like out of nowhere it pops up and it's like, oh, here we go. Again. You know what I'm talking about? And then the same emotions come back up. The same disappointments I hate that the enemy is so good that one email can just bring back what happened to me not too long ago. Doing good, doing good, doing good, doing good, doing good. All of a sudden, one email, just one sentence long, is all that email was. And it was just enough to bring me back to a level of insecurity, feeling all the stuff I thought. To which I have to respond, and here's what I think I had to recognize in preaching this to myself, is that gratitude will cause me to recognize what God is doing in my future 
But if I don't, then I'll just be stuck in my past, hoping for God to just heal me in a present moment, but not allowing God to make me whole in the future. <coughs> to make me whole, to move on. No, I've come to that border. I've already crossed that border. I've been here. I've already done it. Here's my visa. Here's everything I need. I'm moving on because I've already done that. I've already shown those things. I've already, all my valid, all, I've already been validated. Why? Because the blood of Jesus covers <coughs> Jesus saw the lepers. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and help us close this morning. I want to close with this today. Jesus saw the lepers, and here's what he tells them to do. He says this word to them. We're going to bring this to a close. I, I tried to keep this in an orderly fashion, so uh, I'm going to be done on time. So you can, you know, I, I promise, I encourage you to be respectful of your time. And, uh, Steelers are even playing today, so uh, uh, might as well go to 3 o'clock. <laughs> Y'all moving around and distracting me. Worship team, start moving around. Don't worry about it. Let me just go back and start from the beginning. All right, the title of the message this morning is Let me let me bring this to a close this morning. Um, Jesus sees the lepers. They cry out from a distance. Master, have mercy on us. Jesus doesn't even say that he went up to them or that he did anything. It only gives one response. Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. Just go show yourself to the priest. He didn't lay hands on them, didn't give them a word, didn't say anything over them. He just said, go show yourself to the priest. What's significant of that is that the only way for them to be restored back into the community, back into a place, was with the priest's approval. Right? The priest had to give them the green light. Go back to Leviticus 13, it'll tell us that. The only way you could get back into the society, back with your family, back to your livelihood, back to everything you've lost, the only way you can get back is if the priest gives you the green light. So some would look at this and say, oh, what faith they had that they moved before the healing even occurred. And I could say, yeah, it was faith, but I think some of it too was desperation. The desperation was, I've gone to the priest before and they said, no, you're, you're not clean, you're not clean. I'm desperate. Jesus said, go show yourself the priest. I want to go show myself the priest. Why? Because the priest needs to examine me to see what my condition is. The Bible says in Psalms, ask the Lord, search me, O Lord. Try me. Test me. Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me. If there's any offense in me, and deliver me. Lead me. Search me, O God. They would go to the priest, and the priest would evaluate, and the, the priest would then validate whether or not they were clean or they were still unclean. And you know, all they wanted to hear was, you're good, you're clean. Desperation wanted them to get back. I want to get back to what I've lost. I want to get back to what I had. And some people come to Jesus in a moment of needing healing because of something that's happened in their past. And Jesus meets them in a place of healing. But unfortunately, all they do is they want to know everything's going to be good now. And they lose sight of what God wants to do in the future. He doesn't just want to heal you of your leprosy and allow you to be healed from something in your past. He wants to make you whole so that you can overcome whatever might be in your future. Thank you for saying amen. It was light. It was soft. He's given you a hope and a ISIS can't take away the future. There's no threat on this world. Cancer can't take away your future. There's no prognosis. There's no 
your situation. There is nothing that can take away the purpose for which God has in your life. That he will accomplish his work in you. I don't need just heal for my passengers. I want to challenge us. In these last days, the Lord is looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Not in circumstance and in need. In spirit and in truth. What's the truth do? Your word is a light unto my path. Your word is truth that leads me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever comes, no one comes to the Father except for me. So, truth needs to be a voice of motion. The enemy wants you to live on the board. Content until the enemy rears his head again. This is not condemnation, but we've got to call things that are. Why is it that we only need Jesus and we only need to go to church and we only need the things of God when things seem bad? But when everything seems fine, my church attendance doesn't have to be as regular. I can fit it into my schedule when I need it. I can make it work as I have time. You don't have to go to church anyway to be saved. Justify what we go. We're trying to validate ourselves. What do they go to the priest for? They go to the priest to be validated as clean. Here's what validate means. Validate means to hold up. Well, it hold up in court. You've heard that concept. Unfortunately, sometimes we want to receive from God so we can feel validated. When our job is not to receive validation from God but to lift up and give validation to who he is in our lives. To honor and to lift up Jesus. That it's not that we receive a need in the moment, but that we receive from God that we might lift up to him and give worship to him. That we might live in a way that gives glory, that gives honor, that I want to live in such a way to validate God in my world. I want my life to point and reflect who Jesus Christ is in my life. Listen, we all know this happens. This is not, I'm, I'm just calling us as a body and as a church in this last day, an end time church, because I believe that we're going to be the church. The church that's living today is going to receive the return of Jesus Christ. I believe that we are in such a season. I'm not saying, you know, I, I, but there's the signs are so clear, church. And in the last days, many are going to fall away. Why? Because church will become more of getting my needs met. I got to feel good. I got to have what I need. I got things to fall apart. I need God to fix it. Yes, he is a healer, but he doesn't just want to heal you. He wants to make you whole. He doesn't just want to heal you in the moment and have you go back to where you were. He wants you to be made whole so that you can cross the next border and the next border until the greatest border I cross is when I walk past the gates and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. But until then, I'm crossing the borders and the passport I need to get across the next border, it's called gratitude, thanksgiving. The passport I need to get from one place to the other is gratitude. Here's why. Gratitude has me looking ahead to what God's going to do, not hindered by the past or what's happened. Does that make sense, anybody? Be close to this is <coughs> Go show yourself to the priest. The priests were looking at the scales. The priest wanted to see what's on your skin. 
validated by what's on you. Wholeness is validated by what's in you. Healing is validated by what's on you. Wholeness validated by what's in you. I've been at the bed of people dying of cancer. And what was on them was sickness. But what was in them was wholeness. They weren't just healed because of the external condition. They were made whole because of the internal presence of the Holy Spirit. You're not just validated by what's on you, but you're validated by what's in you. When there's a spirit of gratitude, when you have gratitude that's inside of you, you say like what like the Paul said in Thessalonians, for this is the will of God. Give thanks to Jesus. Give thanks to God in all things. For this is the will of God concerning those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter if it's raining, if it's sunny, whatever the situation. I'm giving gratitude. Why? Because gratitude is setting the table for something greater to happen in my life. So is it in you? Do you have gratitude today? The Bible says... How we're to enter his gates. We're going to be going home for Thanksgiving this week. We get to visit my family and Jody's family. And not one of us five that walk into the home of either my parents or Jody's parents. The first thing we do when we walk into that home is almost in a line or we take we go different places. We seek out the owners of that home. We hug them and we kiss them. Why? Because we just showed up in their presence and there's a gratitude, not of what we get from them, but there's a gratitude of just being with them. There's a gratitude of being with them. When you learn the gratitude, oh man, someone's about to receive peace right now. When you learn the gratitude of being with Jesus, it will begin to heal you of everything you thought that's been holding on to you. When you learn the gratitude of just being with him. Because when I'm with him, what else matters? He makes everything different. He makes everything different. So this morning, on this week of Thanksgiving, I want to say to you today, the enemy wants to keep you in this borderline. You're borderline something. You're borderline something. You're borderline, borderline, borderline. Quit living on the border and let's live in the wholeness. Quit living on the edge of what might be and start living on the fullness of what he has called and has enabled. How is that? Only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Only by what he has made possible. And only with the spirit of God. says, enter his gates. It's a place of divide. Into his presence. How do I enter? With thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. How do I get across the border? Ha <laughs> it's Thanksgiving that'll get me across the border. A gratitude will take me across the border. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Yeah, I may have a bank account that looks like that. Yep, my situation might be this. Yep, the doctor told me that. Yep, this is what's in front of me. Yep, that's what's behind me. But I know the one who is ahead of me, who is in all things. And so I'm going to give him thanks this morning. I wonder if it's anyone today
Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.